Hello, friends. Welcome to Ill Nature Podcast. This is Michelle. And I'm Alyssa. case for us today it's a surprise for me i don't not really about- <laughs> you know who we're doing do we are covering you know it's the oh yeah yeah well anyways i'm excited to hear and uh let's get after it sis so today is another older-ish unsolved missing child's case so today is on the missing paper boy john david or johnny gosh was born on november 12th 1969 in west des moines iowa he was born to noreen and john gosh and our story starts on september 5th of 1982 i love the last name i wish my last name was gosh i know i do like it yeah, Michelle, gosh. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It fits you. <laughs> um, so, this is the early morning hours on a Sunday. And just like 82? any... 82? And just like any other boys in the 80s, Johnny was wanting to make some money, so he got a job like any other boy right? at his time. Mm-hmm. He was going to be a paper boy. And so, he got the job, and, you know, he usually went into the suburb of West Des Moines, like, where he lived at with his dad. He usually delivered the papers with his father. Uh-huh. Like, on but, a bike, in a car, doing Oh, actually, no. In the 80s, it could probably go either way. Or walking, because I don't think they delivered that many. Uh-huh. Oh, they didn't deliver that many. Because I think in this one, he might grab like 10 to 12 papers. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good. Work ethic, you know? Yeah. I really don't think they had much. I mean, I could be wrong, but, um, anywho. Mm-hmm. So, but this particular morning, 12-year-old Johnny woke up, got ready, and I don't know if he cleared it with his dad. I'm assuming he did, but he went alone and he took the family dog Gretchen with him. Oh, Gretchen. And Gretchen was a miniature weenie dog. Shut up! So, <laughs> yeah, Gretchen. And he left with Gretchen, his red wagon, and his delivery bag around 5.45 that morning. And he was going to be delivering the Sunday edition of the Des Moines Register. Now, that's a silly detail, but remember that for later, and I'll kind of... The Des Moines hint. Register. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Sunday. just mm-hmm. all about this whole part so mm-hmm. around 6 a.m johnny was on the corner of a street with another paper boy paper boy squeeze me sometimes my words just kind of blend together well i got you i follow the whole thing um where they waited for the delivery van so i guess back in the 80s i didn't really do much um deep dive into this whole situation mm-hmm. but like i'm assuming like you know like it seemed like johnny and this other boy met up on this corner where they usually 
had a van that delivered the newspapers and they would sit down, fold up the newspapers, put them in their bags and go deliver their newspapers. And so he was seen at 6 a.m. on this street, this corner with another paper boy and the van dropped the newspapers and the boy started to sort and fold the newspapers. And during this, a person on the road driving stopped and asked the boys for directions and after giving the direct the person directions, the boys went their separate ways. So like he stopped, pulled up to the curb, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's down the street or whatever." That and was then, a common thing. Yeah, in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the guy, you know, drives off or whatever, and the boys are like, "All right, see you next week or you know tomorrow, right. or whatever." Yep. Now, minutes later, the other boy that was with Johnny, his name was Mike. He saw Johnny stopped talking to a man. And he said it was a little too dark, so he couldn't really tell if it was the same guy that had stopped earlier to ask for directions or if it was a different guy. Mm. But Mike said that neither Johnny nor his dog Gretchen seemed to be in distress, so he continued on his own paperboy route. And another witness that comes up after the investigation starts, John Rossi, saw a man in a blue two-toned car talking to Johnny, asking for directions, and thought something seemed strange. So I'm wondering if this was the same fellow that had stopped him earlier, and he's yeah. like, oh, he told he talked to me earlier, and now he's alone, so yeah. let's ask him again. Uh-huh. Well, around 7 a.m., about an hour to an hour and a half later after this interaction with all that, Customers or neighbors were calling the Gosh home complaining because their paper had not been delivered. And that sparked concern with John and Noreen because Johnny had never delivered one single paper late. So they hadn't seen him come home and they knew that he wasn't really somebody that would like kind of mess around. And so John, the father, went out looking for him. And he found Johnny's red wagon full of papers, and it was abandoned at the corner of his route. Now, while John was out, Gretchen showed back up home, but she was unfortunately alone. But but Gretchen's okay. Yes, she's okay. But she showed it back alone. And so when John returned home and told Noreen what he had found, they frantically and quickly contacted police to report Johnny missing. So, this all happened pretty fast. Yeah, all so. within, like, so the last sighting of him, I think, was between 6 and 6.30 or so. Yeah. And this was between 7-ish around Good. that when they realized he was gone and probably between 7.30 and 8 before they called police, I would say. Yeah. So, just a couple of hours. Yep. Um, but... Mm-mm. We all know how this goes in these older missing children's cases. Um, and this Don't is before it. the Amber Alert. Don't like say we, the R word. Like, they call him a runaway. No, they actually <laughs> did. Call, well, I don't know if they did actually, but they did tell him and they were allowed to tell them that they had to wait 48 to 72 Shut hours up. before reporting uh, him missing, even though he was a child. That is... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I know that was like okay back then, but like why was it kids died because of that? Exactly. That's the thing. Like what why was it ever okay to say, oh, this twelve year old boy just like Because they already had Adam Walsh. They already had cases where kids had disappeared and ended up that were found dead. So they should have learned that just makes me angry. Yeah, it took it took these laws, these am like Amber Alert and like all these laws to make it where they had to re- like children were reported missing like now. Like yeah. there's no waiting. No. 
And that took entirely way too long to come into effect. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the West Des Moines Police Department told them they had to wait. Another common theme back in the 80s around um, missing children and stuff, people assumed, like you said, they had run away. Mm-hmm. And the police determined that since there hadn't been any ransom note... That it wasn't an urgent case, and he wasn't declared missing for 72 hours. So, because there was no ransom note, he wasn't missing. What? You know, like, every 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 child that was missing has a ransom Ransom note show up. Idiots. Well, that means, since they weren't able to report him missing for 72 hours, that meant they were going to be three days behind the kidnapper, and there was possibly so much evidence that had been lost. Yeah. And how many hours is it? They usually die within how many? 48 or 72. Like, for real. Like, I think missing yep. children is like three days. Yeah. But it's like usually within three hours that a missing child goes Like, yep. I think it's closer to three hours. Like, they get them, they kill them pretty fast. fast. But still. Yeah. Right. According to a 2014 documentary that I um, researched a little bit about Johnny's disappearance. Noreen told the interviewer that police were slow to respond after the initial call, and it took them approximately 45 minutes to come and take the report. Now, I think we're going to learn a little bit more about Noreen. Like, I think some people think she's kind of crazy, but she's just advocating for her child. Uh, There's a lot that goes on. I dare you, my child goes missing. You call me crazy. There's a lot that goes on after this. Can you imagine? That would make you crazy. Exactly. You don't have your child that you grew in your own body. Yeah, and they're just gone abruptly without you knowing where they're at or You're if gone. they're okay. So, anyway. Another thing people like to do to women. Yeah, still Call us crazy. Oh, I was going to say call, their children. Well, and call us crazy. Well, they then proceeded to ask, quote, has your son ever run away before, quote? So, they were already assuming that he was a runaway. Yeah, the R word. And they're supposed to be, like, unbiased. But, like, they're already coming in here thinking, like, he's a runaway. Um, And eventually, there were about 30 officers or so that did start helping look for Johnny. But local police said they were hesitant to involve the FBI and told the Goshes, quote, we do not consider Johnny to be in danger until you, his parents, prove his life is in danger. Are you kidding me? That's sick. So the parents of a missing 12-year-old had to prove that his life was in danger to local police when they they involved the FBI? They don't know where he is? There's no evidence and you're not even letting him be reported missing, so he has to be proven to be in some danger that with no evidence and no help from the police ridiculous do better hopefully they are now yikes tell me about it so within days of johnny's disappearance john and noreen organized search parties themselves and contacted fbi and the media which they used to plead for johnny's return so they said Screw you, local police. We'll do it our damn selves. That's right. Yep. So, Johnny's face was soon on flyers, newspapers, and like I told you earlier, was one of the first children on the side of a milk carton. That's awesome. Um, But despite the family's efforts, Johnny's case did eventually go cold. I mean, like I said, there was no evidence, nothing. Is this one solved? Yeah. Oh, what is that? 
I told you it was unsolved. Yeah, man, I get confused. Well, I'm old. <laughs> I forget. <sighs> well, there was a brief mention in my research about a possible sighting of Johnny in Oklahoma. And this would come in September of 82. Noreen said that her son was seen in Oklahoma after he yelled to a lady for help before being dragged off by two men. How far is Oklahoma from Iowa? Iowa? I don't. You want me? Here, I'll look it you up. You go, girl. I don't think they're too far, but I, I really don't know don't much know about the, Iowa. I was, well, I don't really know much about the West Coast in general. Uh-uh. Um, or the Midwest, wherever they're at. I don't know where they're Midwest, at. Midwest, that's good. That's the other thing. Well, let's take a glance here. Let's see. Let's see. About 500 miles. Well, and honestly, some of these theories that come up later, it wouldn't. It's a good wave. Yeah, but sex trafficking takes you all over the place. Okay. So, that's one of the theories that comes up later. Pedophile rings in the 70s, early 80s. Well, probably still now. So, there's not really, it doesn't matter how far it was because it. It could have been him, but that's not the point. I don't believe it was him. I'm not sure. I don't know if we were even getting the answers about this, but I did see in one source um, that, and this was Wikipedia, so I'm not sure if it even is 100% true or what, you know. Right, but tell us. But, like, this sighting in Oklahoma never really helped. It never led to physical evidence, and he saw leads, and nothing in the case went back cold. But his parents never stopped, and in fact, they became missing children activists and helped do some pretty huge stuff. I, I always loved that. Like Jacob Wetterling's mom, like, mm-hmm. that's what I would, Amber that's Hagerman's what I would do. Mom. Right. You dedicate your life to making sure that this John Walsh. Happen. Yep. So, John... Gosh told the Des Moines Register in 2017 that, quote, My son was out there. If he didn't have his own family out there looking for him, nobody would. Hmm. And so, a month after Johnny's disappearance, John and Noreen launched the Johnny Gosh Foundation to help fund private searches for Johnny and to share information on child safety. I talk so fast I run out of breath. I hear you. <laughs> John remembered in the Register article that him and Noreen would drive 50 miles after work to talk about and advocate for John. Advocate for Johnny. Hmm. This is after work. They're working full time, and then they're driving like close to an hour after work to talk about Johnny's case and spread awareness and get help. Wow! Like they never stopped, and they continued working so they could pay for their private investigator. And John said, quote, we were numb most of the time, end quote. So, people were like, how how could you do it? And he's like, that's our son. We just went numb. We had to do what we had to do. I can't even imagine. We say it every time we talk about one of these cases, but. Whew. Yeah. It's so heavy. Yep. But they began touring the nation, making appearances with law enforcement, missing person organizations, organizing, organizing. Organizations, yeah. (laughs) Organizations that involved discussions about human trafficking and just about anything to raise awareness about crimes involving children. Noreen still talks at conferences, and some of her statements have caused controversy, in which one source said, 
one of her statements was, quote, you show me somebody who isn't a little controversial when it comes to making positive changes, and I'll show you someone who's never done a damn thing in their life, end quote. Word, you go, girl. So, Bad feelings. Yeah, they were coming for her, and she was like, Nobody no, wants no, no, no. So, two years later, in June of 1984, this is two years after Johnny's disappearance, the Gosh testimonies were among the families of, among many families wow. of missing children that helped establish the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Nice. So, they helped start NAMAC. Yeah, that's awesome. And President Ronald Reagan invited Noreen to the opening and dedication of um, the center. She later worked on two documentaries about his disappearance, and also in 1984, the Goshes petitioned for the Johnny Gosh Bill in Iowa. This bill stated that police were to respond immediately to missing children's cases, and they were to start an investigation right then. Not 48, Good. not 72 hours later, like ASAP. Rocky. Right. Like, start it now. Thank so, you. it was signed into state law on July 1st of 1984. And only 43 days later would Johnny's Law be put into action when another young boy went missing. <sighs> and I say that and I just got chills me all too. over my body. Like, oh. Well, it makes me think, though, about the Stainer case. The boy that went missing and the guy held him alive. Yeah. That stuff like this happened like crazy what people will do, which is... Man, I wish it would get solved. So, August 12th of 1984, Eugene Martin, who was 13 years old at his time, at the time, left his house around 5 a.m. Can you guess what he was doing? Newspapers. Dang. He was delivering the Sunday edition of the Des Moines Register. Trying to make that cheese. Living his life. Mm-hmm. Delivering the same paper Johnny Gosh was delivering when he disappeared. How many? Two years later. Two years later. He was delivering the Sunday edition of the Des Moines Register. Mm. Freaky. Yeah. So. That's a pattern. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Glad we're all seeing that. So, Eugene arrived at his pickup corner around 5.15 a.m., received his copies of the paper, and sat down to start folding them. According to witnesses that came forward later on, Eugene was seen by several people having what appeared to be a friendly conversation with a man while he folded his papers and filled his bag. Mm -hmm. But around 6 a.m., a lady called Eugene's route manager and complained about not having her paper yet. The manager thought Eugene had overslept, so he went to Eugene's corner, which is when he found his delivery bag full of the newspapers. Mm. And the manager delivered the papers himself and then went to Eugene's home. When his father, Don, realized he wasn't home, he started searching the neighborhood but didn't find Eugene, and they called police before 9 a.m. So this all happened within, like, three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Now, first of all, Sir route manager, why did you just deliver the papers and then go to the... Those papers are not important. Eugene I wouldn't think so either. Yeah, I wouldn't think so either, but maybe he just... Well, you don't ever think something like that's yeah. going to happen to somebody you know. Maybe, yeah, he maybe just really didn't know. I mean, I'm such a dimwit. I can imagine I would, you know, not do the right thing. Well, I know. So... 
if it was his, his kid, you know, he probably wouldn't have delivered those papers. He would have found his boy. Exactly. Yeah. But. Let me answer that. So, thankfully to Johnny Gosh Bill, uh -huh. the police reacted appropriately this time, and the Des Moines Police Department sent out APBs that they set up roadblocks, canvassed the neighborhood, and all within an hour of being notified, and the FBI were involved that afternoon. Good. Police followed up on two to 3,000 leads, but Golly. like Johnny's case, Eugene's went cold due to the lack of evidence or any credible leads. Golly. So, authorities actually were never able to officially connect the two, but I don't know if that was just a precaution due to no physical evidence or what, but in my very unprofessional opinion, these two disappearances, uh, um, yeah. or let's be real, their abductions seem way too freaking similar to not be connected. Like, yeah. two young boys around the same age, I do believe both were Caucasian as well, um, that were delivering papers early morning on a Sunday around the same area went missing within two years of each other yeah. and no sightings. And they're both seen talking to a mysterious man before they were went. There's missing. a predator in the area. People. Mm. I mean, that just seemed real fishy, you know? So weeks after Eugene's disappearance, a local Des Moines grocery store started printing reward information with Eugene and Johnny's pictures posted on paper bags. So at the grocery store, everybody that would get their awesome. food and their groceries put in these paper bags with both missing boys on them. And soon after that, another local company started to spread their picture as well. And it was the Anderson and Erickson Dairy. They started printing the missing boys' pictures on the side of milk cartons. Yeah. And this was just locally at first. And these boys were some of, like I said, the first missing children to be put on milk cartons. I think the first child was Ed and Pat's. I've never heard of that one. Oh, he's on the list to do as well. Okay. I think he's in... I don't know if his case is solved yet, though, or not. But the boys were some of the very first in their community. Like, I don't think this had ever happened in their community. This is the first time that they were put locally yep. on... Grocery bags, meal cartons, all that thing. The community's doing what they should. That's exactly. And then a week later, another Des Moines dairy did the exact same thing as the A&E dairy. By 1985, the National Child Safety Council began a nationwide missing children milk carton program, nice. which featured Hundreds of missing children on the sides of milk cartons. So this we need to know what they all look like. I said that in Shakemia. Shake yeah, Shakemia. Shakemia. You said it right. I said that in that cat. We need to. I'd never seen a picture of this child. Like we still. What do we have today? I don't go on the internet and search for missing children. We need something like that still. Well, you know, in like Walmart and stuff, they have like those missing posters. Sometimes some gas pumps. Um, you know the gas pumps that put up the screens. Mm -hmm. I've seen some there. But I do still, think there needs to be something like that I all guess the time. I need too. to start, like, add it to my weekly rotation on my phone and look up and look. Because, y'all, this, we could save a child. Yeah, you never know who's out there walking around. And I'm always on high alert looking. So, I did want to briefly mention one other missing child that was in the same area as Johnny. But it's not as eerie as Eugene's case was, so it's right. not. It's a little less likely to be connected to Johnny's. But, but since it, might. it 
I was about to say, since it is yeah. another young boy, I do want to mention it. So, according to the iowacoldcases.org, March 29th of 1986, so another two years later, 13-year-old, mm-hmm. another Caucasian young um, teen, mm-hmm. Mark James Warren Allen told his mom that he was going to be walking from a friend's house down the street, but Mark never showed up to his friend's house, and he was never seen again. Mm-hmm. Now, that's all I really have as far as Mark goes, but it's just another boy that went missing in the area. Unsolved, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No evidence, nothing. Never seen again. So, I was researching it up, and I found an archived LA Times article from April 5th of 1990 that was titled, quote, Body is Found, Lost Paperboy Case Reopened, oh. end quote. Now, you say that, but this is a very misleading title, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They'd be doing that. Mm-hmm. Be but I guess it's kind of the truth in a roundabout way. Um, this is about seven years after Johnny's disappearance, and it states this. West Des Moines police thought they had a break in Gosh's baffling disappearance when Mexican authorities on Friday pulled the body of a young man from a drainage ditch in northern Mexico. They identified him as John E. Gosh. Now, our John that we've been talking about is John D. Gosh. So, Uh, similar names, but different middle names. Yeah. Now, the Tacoma, Washington family comes forward and says that John E. is their adoptive son. And they send dental records to compare with Johnny Gosh's, um, which they can't, you know, they're not... The same person. Right. Um, and I don't really know if it was because they thought it was him because of his name. They eerily did have the same birthday, like, two weeks apart, like, similar birthdays. But, like I said, they were not the same person. So, it was right. just kind of like a random little tidbit of information from the case. Yeah. that They had this article from 1990 stating that this case had been reopened or so because yeah. of this. But... They but, weren't similar at all. And so. they didn't really have anything. Right, exactly. They do that, though. But, I just had a revelation. Spill it, girl. I have these horrible photos on my cellular device that I can delete after today because I wanted to go ahead and have them to show you. I'm not going to show you yet because we're not to this point. But we probably aren't going to post these photos because they're kind of disturbing. So, But I did want to show you so you can kind of describe them to yep. the people. Yep. Um, and I finally can delete them off my phone. So if You've my FBI agent is watching uh-huh. and seeing what I'm screenshotting, like this is for my podcast. I'm not a child of doctor. Thank right. you. Mm-hmm. So Not even a criminal of any. Criminal of any I speed sometimes, but that's about it. So... Let me throw a twist or two in this already confusing case. The following information is based off of Noreen's account that I found on a couple of different sites. Um, It isn't mentioned in every single source throughout the case, but I did find this interesting. This is Noreen's word. No actual evidence to verify this happened, but it is interesting. A little bit more than a theory. Alright. So... 1997, mm-hmm. about 15 years after Johnny went missing on his paper route, I believe Johnny and, uh, or excuse me, John Sr., the dad, mm-hmm. and Noring were divorced. So I think, I could be wrong, but 
I think Noreen's a home when this, like home alone when this happens. Um, she's woken at like two thirty a.m. from a knock at the door at her front door. Eek! And before opening, like any normal person, she's like, "Who?" I mean, I was like, "Who was at my door?" You know, especially at this hour. So That's she's what like, Robert says. Don't do it. She said she heard a voice say, "Quote." It's me, Mom. It's Johnny. Can I come in? End quote. What? Your face right now. So, yeah. So, Noreen claims she recognized the visitor, one of the visitors. There's two men standing at her door. She recognized one of these visitors right away as a 27-year-old Johnny Gosh. She says she instantly knew it was him. And he apparently opened his shirt to show a birthmark that was identical to one that the 12-year-old Johnny had on his chest. Mm-hmm. Now, this Johnny, I'm putting him in air, air quotes because mm-hmm. this is not confirmed it was him. Noreen believes it was, but we'll get into that in a moment, so just Will it, Noreen believe it hold on to your pants. Okay. So, Johnny was accompanied by a man that she did not recognize at all, and she said she spoke with this Johnny about an hour or two, but the entire time Johnny would look to this man for approval before he asked me questions or said anything. She invited him inside her head? Mm-hmm. She yeah. also said that Johnny told her he was still in danger and he could not disclose his whereabouts or current liver, his current living situation. She said that he had been put into a child sex trafficking ring. And Noreen said that he was wearing a t-shirt, jeans, and a jacket because it was cold, apparently. And his hair was dyed black, kept long, and straight. Now, in the picture, like, normal pictures of Johnny Gosh, I think he's got light brown or red hair. Like, it's kind of lighter. So, she says that this time that Johnny appears to her at, in 1997, he's got long, straight, dark, black hair. You reckon it was a ghost? Was she taking any kind of mind-expanding drugs? Hallucinating? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But after their talk, Johnny disappeared with the man again, and she went directly to the FBI. There was a sketch done of Johnny that... um, of the Johnny that she encountered. So they, she ran to the police or the FBI. She said, Johnny just came to my house. Johnny just came to my house. And they sketched up what this Johnny looked like. Mm-hmm. Now the FBI did not believe it was Johnny because there was no evidence at all. And it was just her word. They believed, they honestly believed Johnny was dead. So they were like, this is, there's no way this was him. Yeah. And another person that was skeptical was John Sr. He said that he was hoping, he was, quote, hoping it was true, but the way she described it did not seem believable at all, end quote. And some believe that this was just a hoax. Part of me wants to say, you know, a mother knows her child. So, like, if she was that adamant. But a mother is also desperate for semi-good news, and doesn't want to accept, the you know, accept can do the, crazy yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Like, like she, she doesn't want to accept the fact that her baby did is he, dead. Did somebody even really come to her door? Uh, at 2.30? I, I, I'm not going to dog Noreen because, you know, I don't know. I, um, yeah, I just, oh, goodness, goodness. That's why people say she's crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, unfortunately, strange things kept happening to Noreen. I don't know if believe, people just believe she was naive or these people, you know, like to come after victims' families. That's right. But another early morning, not super early, like 2.30 anymore, but right. uh, early morning, September of 2006, Noreen found a mysterious envelope on her front doorstep. Inside this envelope, she found three disturbing photos. I think I've only got two of them on here. But these photos contained, like I said, some pretty disturbing photos. Um, mm -hmm. The ones I'm going to share with you, none of them have the faces on them. They're blurred out. Um, and I'm debating on whether or not, uh, I don't think we're going to post Let any of these. Let me see and then I'll help you decide. Yeah, so you just describe it. You I can know. just... Just I don't describe know what, what you I'm got. To look at. Oh gosh, there are three boys. They look young. Um, their hands are bound behind their backs. Um, they have gags in their mouth. They all look to be twelve, thirteen, maybe eleven. The one on the left. Yeah, they're all clothed. Though. They are clothed. Um. But, but you can't really not, see their expression like I like I did. Right. Well, I feel like the one on the left, the, the blurs on his eyes look big. I don't know. Yeah, and like two of them are kind of laying like on their side more towards their stomach and one's kind of laying on his back. Now, this is the one I think Noreen believed was a picture of Johnny. Johnny when he was young? Like when he would have been kidnapped. Oh, gosh. So this one's a little more um, explicit. Yeah, that the person's laid on their stomach. He does look young, um, gagged, bound at the hands, and almost looks like he's hog tied. Yeah, like behind his back. I mean, really tied up. Yep, he is hog tied. I can see a string. Um, it's very disturbing. It gives me really bad vibes. And really he's shirtless. Vibes. Yep. Really bad vibes. So, now I can delete these. Praise the Lord. Noreen said that she was not prepared to see something this graphic, especially after all these years had gone by. And she said, quote, I wasn't prepared to see something Well, yeah, I know. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just disturbing. Yeah. Um, but she said, quote, I literally could not breathe. I could not catch my breath, end quote. Noreen went straight to the West Des Moines police with the photos. And when she was showing the photos, Noreen said one of the officers said, one of the officers said when looking at the photo, quote, that's Johnny. That's Johnny, end quote. Mm. And she says they said that. And Noreen said, I know that's Johnny. And then the media caught wind of this and went crazy. Every news station and paper was printing the gosh story all over again. And then the West Des Moines police called Noreen and told her that they were going to do their own press conference. And in this press conference, that they're going to announce that none of the photos Noreen got were of Johnny. Mm -hmm. So, she gets these pics, goes to the police... She claims one of the officers is like, oh my gosh, that's Johnny. And she's like, yeah, I know. That's why I'm bringing it here to you. Yep. 
media gets wind of this, blasts their story, police see all the media attention, call Noreen and say, uh, we're going to do our own conference where we're going to announce these picks are not Johnny. Okay. And the play here. I'm, uh... Well, and she said, she argued that the photo of Johnny was, you know, it was him. That's real. And she said the officer told her, quote, well, somebody from Florida called in and said he used to be an investigator and remembered those pictures from a case in 1970-something, end quote. But Noreen pressed further and said if they had any real evidence that what the caller was saying was true, other than, like, a, like she was like... Tell us the case that these pictures came from. She Yeah, so she's like, so do you have any other evidence other than this guy's word? Like... Right. Do you have any evidence at all? And he responded by saying no. And then she said, quote, And based on this phone call, you're going to do a press conference and say the picture's not Johnny, end quote. Mm. And he replied with, quote, Well, yes, I am, end quote. Uh-huh. And the Iowa cold case article said Noreen to this day believes it was Johnny in the photo and believed he was taken into a child sex trafficking ring. And in one source I read, she also believed that the police were covering up a possible sex ring mm. because of the people that were involved, and they were trying to protect said people. Our minds always like to go there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Johnny Gosh is still missing to this day, and so is Eugene Martin and Mark Allen. Both Johnny and Eugene's case are still technically open, and neither boy have been declared dead yet. Mm-hmm. But like I said, police do believe neither of the boys are alive. Why? Eugene's parents believed he died right after he was abducted, and sadly, Eugene's parents also died a couple of decades ago as well. Mm-hmm. And they died not ever knowing what happened to their son. Well, hopefully they were reunited. With I hope so as well. And in an interview once, Noreen was asked what she thinks Johnny would have been like if it weren't for that day in 1982. And she said, quote, he would have had an interesting career that he enjoyed like his siblings. You want the best thing for your child. And the sad thing is that all that was robbed from him. And all those years were missing. The clock stopped at 12 years old for us, end quote. I know, isn't that horrible? Poor Noreen. My heart for her. So, one last interesting but also gut-wrenching fact was in 2017 at the Iowa State Fair, Johnny's red wagon that he was last seen with was put on display. John Sr. recalls one of the last things he and Johnny did was go to the Iowa State Fair together. He said Johnny loved the fair and had seen it being advertised in the paper, and John said he didn't know whether his son was dead or alive. But he did say he had hoped for some sort of conclusion for, like, someday. Like, he hopes that one day he can know what happened. Maybe a deathbed confession. I hope so. Me too. Or somebody that knows something. Like, you know, most killers, like, tell people what they did. Yeah. If they're social. I was about to say, unless they're, like, serial killers. Right. And then they have evidence of it everywhere. Right. And that's they probably keep trophies we, and that's stuff. That's probably what we have here. Yeah, I mean, uh... Living yeah. in plain sight type done their they could be dead. The 80s. Mm. Um having the wagon on display this year at the fair was heartening in a way, is what he said. Like it 
warmed his heart a little bit. It was it's it was kind of bittersweet, yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2007, West Des Moines police requested a sample of his DNA for safekeeping in case Johnny is ever found after Smart. his father died. So they got uh, some good. They got some DNA from Dad. John Sr. Good. Johnny Gosh was last seen on September 5th of 1982 in West Des Moines, Iowa, on his paper route early in the morning. He was seen wearing a white sweatshirt with Kim's Academy on the back, warm-up pants, blue rubber flip-flops, and carried a yellow delivery bag. He was 12 years old at the time of his disappearance. He was white with brown hair and blue eyes, and he weighed about 140 pounds, and he was 5'5". If you have any information leading to Johnny's whereabouts or anything about his disappearance at all, like if you suspect anything please call fbi special agent gerald in greciano sorry if i mispronounced her name and this is all information i found in a you know an article um at 515-223-4278 or west des moines police department detective tom boyd at 515-223-3211 so before we end this case, just a couple more things. One, what stuck out to me was his height and weight. Like, I was really surprised by how he kind of like... He was big. He was a yeah. bigger guy. He was husky. He was big, I mean, he was bigger than About me. About five, yeah. And so, I would imagine it's hard to snatch somebody of his size just right off the street without anyone seeing a thing. Maybe they chloroformed him or something. I feel like somebody would like but even still it would have to be a big dude to get him into the car. So, like you, it would take a while. I think. Yeah. So for a twelve-year-old to be bigger than I am at like twenty-three, right? Like he wasn't like a tiny little kid. Mm-mm. So that brings me to my next point on what do you, Michelle, or our listeners, like mm-hmm. please write in. What do you think? happened to Johnny and do you think Johnny and Eugene's disappearances are linked together? I definitely think they're linked. I do too. I do. I think they're linked as well. Yep. I think it's a creeper that probably lives in the neighborhood personally. Um, Or in like the city. Like it's a I think like Eugene went missing in Des Moines and Johnny was West Des Moines. So they're like a little bit different but like same area, yeah. so yeah. I feel like creepers will hunt. Ugh. Yeah, and that's I didn't realize about the weight and height thing. I mean, how do you get a big dude? Like, I'm picturing a van with a sliding door, maybe, but do we know what kind of vehicle it was? Well, if it's the... They, they don't even know who took him. Well, that's right, but the car they were talking to. was just a car. Like, was it a promise of something, like... I hate it, though. I hate not knowing. So, well, okay, my next question is, what do you make of the late-night visit and the photographs? Do you believe either of those were Johnny? No. I'm sorry, Noreen. I don't. I don't believe the appearance was. I don't know about the photos. Like, I can't. People I are, personally can't I make those. I know how screwed up people are, and somebody could have put those photos there just to mess with her. Right. Because people suck. But... Without seeing the face, I can't determine if I believe it would be Johnny in the photos or not, but... 
No. The, the police the, the say, visit. yeah. Just yeah, the yeah the visit. Mm-hmm. I just don't. And they came into the house and chat. I just I can't. I think Noreen was dreaming. Well, I, mean, I don't blame her. I'm not hating because you know grief. You do, you, Noreen. But I just thought that happened. Well, personally, I like I said, I have no idea like what theory about this case is right. But I do really do believe that Eugene and Johnny's case are connected because they're just so freaking like eerily similar. Yes. Like it's just kind of like yeah, I agree one hundred percent. So like on one hand, I can see possible like sex trafficking ring. Like this guy seen talking to Johnny might have thought, hey, I got lucky in the area at the time and day, so let's try that again and got Eugene. You know, like yep. I'm just gonna go steal another paperboard to sell. You know, something yeah. like that. Because I got away with it once, why can't I get away with it again? Yep. But then I can also see, like you said, a possible creep just happened to be living in the area and enjoyed kidnapping young boys. And could watch them without seeming out of place. Exactly. Like saw them delivering papers. Like maybe in West Des Moines where he got the the other kid. No, he had a family member or a friend. Right. Somebody that lived in the area where he knew that they were out there delivering papers. Right. So like he'll kidnap Johnny. Might keep him. Don't know if he's holding these boys because it was two two years apart, ex- around the same time, two years apart. So is he holding them or is he just doing what he wants to and laying low for two two years? You know, or like I, you know, he's doing it other places and we just don't. Or exactly. So, mm-hmm. but then whenever he gets ready, whether he's holding Johnny or killed him the night he took him or whatever, he takes Eugene and does the same thing. Yeah. Of course, this is very unprofessional speculation. Like I don't have all the details, the evidence. I don't really have anything to go off of and so this is just my opinion based off of no concrete evidence at all but spill it personally that's just personally what i think is either a creep living in the area like you said or like i think it's probably more like that but maybe a child sex trafficking yeah stuff happens and but i just know nine times out of ten it's it's a creepy effort that's living around these kids every day and you know, right there. Because you'd think if somebody had been staking out the neighborhood, somebody would have noticed a car that what didn't belong that had been there. Exactly. Like, people notice stuff like that. Usually. Especially back then, we'd have screens. Exactly. Mm. Well, Craziness. unfortunately, that is the case of Johnny Gosh, and it is unsolved to this day. I have hope that they will solve it. Me too. Maybe. So, let me hit you with those sources, Boo Bear. Um, I did use Wikipedia, the iowacoldcase.org, and I used um, the Des Moines Register, the West Des Moines Child Abduction, like, that was what it was on, the Des Moines Register article, mm-hmm. the AETV, Mashable.com, the archived LA Times article I referred to, um, PSU.edu, it's a blog post, the alltheinteresting.com, and AlcatrazEast.com. Nice. So, that, that was, a good was deep dive. the... Very interesting. Thank you. If you think that was a good deep dive, just wait until our next case that I cover. Y'all are all going to be, like, crapping your pants. It's crazy. Stop. It's crazy. It's crazy. I dare say it's crazy. I can't wait. Frizzles. Yeah. All right, well, 
those pictures. I'm never going to get that in my head, so thank you for that. You're welcome. Friends, be glad. Don't, don't look them up. You no. Know, don't, don't look them up. Um, and we thank you guys for listening. And as always, you need to keep it real by following us on Instagram. At Pod. Joining our Facebook group and sharing with your friends. Elementary podcast. Um, and you know, follow the the TikTok because because why not? Just because at Elementary Pod. And shoot us uh, an e- a, a digital mail. Send us an email at ill-natured at yeah. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Reverse. Reverse. That's my favorite. We've been doing the cha-cha slide a little bit. A little bit. Ill-naturedpod at yahoo.com. Yep. Melissa needs an email. Uh-huh. Whoever does this first, what can we do? We'll at least shout you out on the pod. Yeah. That's yeah. all. So, go to Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, whatever else you listen on, and yep. subscribe to us. Give us some stars. Right, rate us you. and review us and spread the news like wildflower baby yes. so Please we're go. coming in hot and yeah so yeah. period, yeah. <laughs> period. <laughs> so <laughs> a hell of an outro there. thank you all right period 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 okay so catch y'all on the flip side <laughs> peace